Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have a great chat all about the season finale, part one of The Bad Batch. Returning to Kamino, myself and Blake, your, your hosts of the show, will break this episode down to the letter. We're going to get into all the nitty-gritty events, speculation, what happened, things we noticed, making connections to the rest of the saga and other Star Wars shows. And if you've never tuned into the show before, welcome to Star Wars Escape Pod. Another happy landing. We are back. In the escape pod, once again, floating through space. <laughs> Welcome For back, Blake. here am I sitting in a tin can. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, did we call it or did we call it? Man, we called the crap out of that episode. Yeah, I man. mean, like all like, those theories that we had. It's coming like together. They're, they're all coming together now. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Like, I yeah. got to give you props. You said orbital bombardment, and I said... Yeah, Empire. you got props Props yeah. to the droid. Props yeah. to the droid. Thank You're you, sir. convinced. Thank you. I knew. Well, why else would he be there? He had, there had to be a reason. I know, and right? It, he's like, still yeah. with them. So right. I think something next episode, he's going to be directly involved with stuff. Right, right. It so. actually, it, it's it's kind of a... It's a, it's, I, don't, I guess uh, I, I find it kind of funny that he's now with and helping echo and his friends whereas the last time we saw him he was um with fives fives. right so it's it's an interesting little connection there that it's the the same droid and uh if anyone is curious about what droid we're talking about it's uh azi three four five two one one eight nine six two four six four nine eight seven two one three four seven that's his name that's crazy yeah because every time he asked, he's asked us he tries to the whole thing yeah, the yeah fives yeah. was just like it's just az i wonder i wonder if someone at lucasfilm writing the script was like we need a name for a droid we need some really complicated stupid name that no one's ever gonna want to say and care about and then the guy writing was just like like yeah. on the keyboard you know Probably. just like just but, hitting right, random bunch buttons. Of numbers. Yeah, just a bunch of numbers. Cool. Done. <laughs> Love with just two letters and then just like a billion we'll, numbers. It's like, yeah, well, well, you know, Dave walks in the room and goes like, hey, George, yeah, I'm not too sure about this name. Like, uh, well, I've never seen it before. It looks good to me. <laughs> well, maybe add a few more numbers. Yeah, maybe maybe a few more. I, I like the seven. Seven's a lucky number. George, we, we already got like 10 numbers on this name. <laughs> <laughs> when you wear ones, you know, because um, Phantom Man is my favorite. Oh, I like I like one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so we kicked off this episode. Uh, it, it was pretty nuts because we kicked off this episode with a reorchestrated version of Finding Camino uh, by by John Williams. That was so and, cool. The um, music it, is so fitting. I love it, it. It is it is so great. And anytime you see Camino, you almost want to hear that tune because that's how we were introduced to Camino in Attack of the Clones and. It's, it's not exactly remembered to be anyone's favorite Star Wars movie. There's very few people out there, which it's their absolute pinnacle favorite of the, all the all the films that have existed in the franchise. But yeah. the music by John Williams has always been consistently oh, great man. through yep. every movie that he does. And and this this particular song, this track has been eminent in everything from video games all the way through to now the animated shows. And it's so iconic. This This particular little... Track, yeah, the riff, yeah. It's it's just like you just instantly think that's Camino, and it's and true. it works so well, and it's almost like you've never, uh, you know, you hear that track, and it's like unlike anything else, and there's nothing that's similar to it. 
it's like you just know that that's Camino, right? Like, it's, with, it, yeah, it's very unique. And yeah, maybe it's just because I've heard it a thousand times watching Attack of the Clones, right. but it just brings up the imagery of just like overcast skies, pouring rain, and just ocean as far as you can see in every direction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it just, yeah, it just feels right. And and to play it kind of one last time in this episode where we return to Camino, um, in reference, the title is in reference to the beginning of the show, but also uh, in reference to Attack of the Clones itself, because that was the first time that we see Camino, and this is very likely the last. That's true, actually. So that's that's it's a really uh, and we'll get into a little later when we kind of go over the ending. But um, I thought the music at the end was also just just so good and it was emotional and sorrowful and and, you know, and like we'll get into it a bit later. But, you know, this is very well could be the last time that we see this place. Right. So really, any every time was, through the episode, I just kept thinking that every time we saw anything, it was essentially an orchestral version of goodbye, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> save the rebellion <laughs> save the dream <laughs> man was it actually john williams music they used or was it rewritten uh no it was rewritten yeah it was okay. it was real it was reorchestrated by by likely kevin kiner who who's done the music for these these shows for uh many years now <laughs> uh from clone the clone wars movie all the way to uh to rebels and and back again to bad batch uh kevin connor's the man he's is kind of the guy that has always looked after the music in mm-hmm. in the live action ones they they went a little more creative uh with their selection of composer and and chose ludwig but um you know i guess he'd done live action stuff before they wanted a little higher budget i guess but um yeah i mean he does a great job at the music and, he, and he's always so good at referencing something that John Williams did and then changes it up a little bit and it kind of so makes true. it different. And, yeah. And he's been doing it for forever. Yeah. So. Yeah. We saw that quite a lot with the the force theme uh, through the Clone Wars. Like Kevin Kiner had an interesting twist on that. And uh, we heard a lot when they were on Mortis and, uh, you know, when when the, the music plays for for Anakin's chosen one theme. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a twist on the classic force theme that we normally hear. And uh, I thought it was very cool that that's kind of how they approached doing these shows. Just, you know, not only is he kind of making it his own, putting his own stamp on Star Wars, so to speak. But uh, it also kind of gives the animated shows a, a unique identity as far as the musical journey that we hear as we watch these episodes. So I thought it was. Did very he cool. do that here as well? Did he like alter it slightly or just extend it? Uh, yeah, there were some notes that were, you know, the the pace was a little different, and there was different instruments used, and a little smaller scale, and okay. uh, yeah, it just the whole thing just felt like it was, um, not to not to say this and make it sound like it's cheap or anything, but it, you know, it sounded like as if someone had listened to the John Williams track and then kind of did their own at home version. So it, it, it always like, and that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's like they, they listen to John Williams music and then they use GarageBand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing because I've heard some fantastic uh, Star Wars tracks that have been done by, uh, by people on YouTube and stuff. And they've digitally orchestrated their own epic version or whatever of, of something. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's been great. Like some of them are fantastic. I think there was one YouTuber named, uh, I think his name's Sam Kim and uh, he does, uh, YouTube star Wars tracks. Let me, let me just look it up here. Um, no, I can't find him. Okay. Uh, but yeah, look for Look for, um, on YouTube, you can look up, uh, Clone Wars epic track or whatever, like epic finale track. And there's a, a composer, and uh, I think his name's Samuel Kim or something like that. And and he's got a, a giant YouTube channel full of just reorchestrated versions. And a lot of them are really good. That's cool. Like, yeah. Like you you could totally believe that this may have come out of a show or something like that. Like they're they're awesome. So, yeah, there's a lot of talented people out there, um, you know, taking someone's work and then kind of using it as, their as own reference. Mock of it. Yeah. Yeah. Doing their own kind of mock of it and and uh, 
um, you know, that happens a lot in the movies. So true. Yeah. Like for example, not to go too off topic, but uh, a lot of people don't know that the really famous Pirates of the Caribbean theme was originally a segment of a song from the movie Gladiator. Oh, really? Yeah, it's true. So it's uh, the first time they're in the large arena. Uh, and it's the ending of the battle where the chariots are running around Russell Crowe and his uh, his team of gladiators. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it was gladiator first. Ah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if any of our listeners listen to Rebel Force Radio as well. And uh, I don't want to lose any of our listeners, uh, but <laughs> they have an amazing series on there called Star Wars Oxygen. And I've had honestly the best time listening to those as uh, they break down the music of Star Wars with David W. Collins. And yeah. uh, it was fantastic. Like, I cannot recommend it any more than saying go listen to this on our own podcast because, you know, they did a great job. So I think he also did a panel at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. David W. Collins is, um, he, I believe he's also a composer himself uh, of some kind. He's a sound guy. Um, and uh, he's he's been involved in Lucasfilm related stuff for a while. So, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was something, uh, I, I guess, which made him more than just enough of enough qualified to you know yeah to present and kind of discuss his breakdowns and everything but they're really well done like yeah, every single are. one like there's like wow i learned so much and i can't even remember nearly half of what what, what i learned you, as yeah. i was listening but it was there's just so interesting as you're listening to it you're like oh yeah wow that's so cool and yeah you know they just they play cool the reference. tracks and yeah and and he has all the history of it and everything like little tiny little pieces like even just just like five notes in a row of a song and it's like oh yeah this is a reference to like this song over here or like this like song that john williams was a huge, huge fan of when he was a kid or something like that and i'm like dude like how do you know this stuff yeah like, <laughs> like, it's like, crazy did, did you read like 20 books on the guy dude I mean, that guy needs to like write John Williams memoirs or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, you know, a bit of a morbid thought, but I feel like John Williams, when he dies, like if anyone's going to say anything at the the funeral, like yeah, David W. Collins should be like one of those guys. Like he just knows him, his work so well. Yeah. Right. Honestly, um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, when unfortunately that time comes that uh, Dave W. Collins does something for, for uh, StarWars.com in regards to that. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Anyway. So uh, to get back to the episode here, uh, uh, did you notice that the TKs at the beginning of the episode, they they were keeping an eye on Crosshair? Like immediately we start off with the premise that Crosshair can't be trusted anymore. Interesting. No, I missed that. I, I got that from the other trooper and the, the kind of... Uh, uh, like like the guys in his normal squad, you know, like the green lenses, because they they like mm -hmm. straight up like yeah, implied the, that talking directly to their admiral. So right, yeah, exactly. Like that's well, that's what I'm kind of referencing to. They were like, yeah, we can't like there. I don't know. I don't know if you can be trusted, right? Like that's kind of what they presented their uh, their concerns to him, and and then the admiral or whatever was like, yeah, just keep an eye on him, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, then yes. I thought there might have been something more subtle before that. <laughs> no, it was, but yeah, it's just always kind of, it has been a thing. Like even in the beginning of the show, when, when Crosshair was first teamed up with those guys, they didn't really seem to like the idea of working under a clone trooper. Yeah. And so it's, I'm not entirely surprised that they were like, yeah, we were always going to keep an eye on him. It's very odd to me though, like... They clearly think clones are subhuman. Like it's the only explanation. Right. It, yeah. And, and this is a big discussion that that I think, well, we've had before and I've had on countless occasions with Diego when we were doing Clone Wars talk. And there's like this huge thing about the clones and whether or not, you know, people even perceive them as human beings in the first place because they're literally bred to die. Right. And, and, they're, and yet they're people and kind of should be should be respected and treated as such, but they get thrown under the bus so much because yeah, they're just lab 
rats, right? They're treated more like droids. Yeah, they're treated just like like tools of war, and that's pretty much it. And you know, uh, with no future beyond firing a blaster. It's funny because same when the clones have to work with droids, they don't trust them. Yeah, because I think yeah. they could be trained at any moment, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and you know, and and in all fairness, I mean, these clones have inhibitor chips in their brains. I mean, you know, if I was working with a guy who could turn on his trusted allies in an instant with one command, I'd be a little concerned. Fair enough. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know, later on in the episode when he brings up the fact that his chip has possibly been removed, I'm like, oh, this that is was, an interesting discussion. Yeah, that was a, that was very surprising because yeah, I've been expecting for a while now that they were going to remove his chip and then everything be all hunky dory, but maybe he just is naturally a psychopath. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I uh, l- yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit strange because um, he said that his chip had been removed a long time ago. Yeah, and. I'm sure it was during that accident when he got burned by the the engines from the Republic cruiser. Yeah, that's a possibility that he just got so much damage on his head that maybe when they were putting him back together again, that they just had to take it out because it was fried or something like that. Like, who I knows, think right? more likely during the operation, he got them to do it, like maybe. got the droid or whatever to do it. Yeah. Here's the other alternative is that because I know Hunter inspected him for a scar and I don't think there was one. Like, at yeah. least I, I didn't see one. So I looked pretty close at that, too. It's hard to tell because it's, it's already so much scar tissue. Yeah, it's possible that he was just lying or yeah. and here, here's the other thing, because my, my suspicion, I brought this up before on the show. Uh, my suspicion is that kind of like the the thrown away script of episode nine for Kylo Ren, just kind of driving himself further into darkness and never coming back from it. Um, my suspicion was that he would just remain an enemy forever and that he would just kind of die believing differently than the rest of them. Right. Right. And and whether this is part of the chip's fault or not, uh, you know, if he's saying he doesn't have any doesn't, maybe he isn't like the rest of them, right? Like maybe he really truly believes differently about the empire, much like these humans that voluntarily sign up. Yeah, it's totally possible. You know, right? Yeah. Oddly enough, probably is the biggest twist. Yeah. Because we've all been led to believe it's the chip the whole time, right? Right. And, And here's the thing about that. Because before the chip... I don't know what your your thoughts were on this, but when episode three first came out and Order 66 was issued, I always thought that, oh, the clones were bad from the start. Like this yeah. was all planned and and all the clones knew about this, uh, this plan before Order 66 was given. And when the order was given, that was the original story, the order, right? Yeah. And, and this like, was kind of, ex- uh, yeah, that was the to, thing uh, to prove that in the original Star Wars Battlefront. I think it's Battlefront 2. You play through the game as a 501st. Yeah, and that's right. They, they allude because you kind of play through it in like in chronological order as stuff's ha- like happening. And they talk about like helping certain Jedi. I think it's. Uh, I'm blanking on her name. But yeah, it was uh, Kiati Mundi on uh, on uh, Salukamai or, or something. It, it was some they, sort uh, of line. the Twi'lek yeah. with the two lightsabers. Um. Yeah, I, I I vaguely remember what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah it was Tamura Morrison was doing all the voiceovers for the campaign, yeah. and it was like all the cutscenes and and all that stuff. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. Anyway, there's an episode uh, episode a uh, campaign level on F- Felucia where you help her, and at the end they talk about how they're like they're they feel bad that they know what's coming. Yeah, before it happens. Yeah. So they were very much aware that Order 66 was a thing that was going to happen at some point. Right. So so the thing is, is and this is kind of my thought process, because we've all been led to believe now that that's, according to Clone Wars, that these chips have been implemented. And to me, actually, it made more sense that we have these chips, because after seeing the Clone Wars and seeing like literally the brotherhood between these clones and some of the Jedi and everything like that, like Anakin's relationship with Rex and all that, you know, I would think to myself as well that like these 
these aren't bad people. Like they're like a lot of these clones are really like honest men that that, you know, are, are willing to help people. And I, I think about that Ryloth arc in Clone Wars with um, Waxer and Boyle when they helped the little Twi'let girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think like, man, like people who are plotting to turn them turn against their own republic and their own side would would not be spending any time of day on on this little lost girl trying to find her parents right it's true they'd be uh, more like machines uh, yeah exactly uh, or even just just straight up evil men right <laughs> and yeah. just like it's oh funny. i don't care about this person like <laughs> yeah it's funny how they modified the clones but they didn't remove their emotions like that yeah yeah well they're all they're also got to be like a little bit like Django, right but um but they they are kind of in there are good guys and and so these chips at least for me, it helped kind of believe why they were, and it almost made it more sad because it didn't give them a choice anymore. True. It took it took away their chance to really not only have they have the communalists taken away their chance to live a normal life by giving them growth enhancements and whatever else, and throwing them on the front lines with a gun with all the training they need to just die for people in a war that they makes no sense to them at all. It's true, but beyond that. They don't have a choice when Order 66 is given and now they've got to shoot the people that they've been trying to defend this entire time. Like, it's terrible. Like, this entire thing is just so miserable. And and like, so the chips for me made it even like more, like yeah, more, more sad, right? Like yeah. more sad, right? And, and, and anytime I watch Revenge of the Sith now, it's like forever changed because of that. And um, and so this is a very interesting twist. If Crosshair's chip is removed... It really, it really kind of brings it back to that initial idea of like, oh, some of the clones once upon a time before the Clone Wars came out, we always thought that they did have a choice. Like when that order was given and a lot of them just shoot the Jedi down, was there clones that decided not to make that decision? And um, and in, in the Republic Commando novels that we uh, once read, uh, that actually had come up at one point. Yeah, yeah, because the plot... Because originally the story, as we mentioned, was they all knew it was coming. They worked with the Jedi, but didn't see them as friend or anything. They they knew it was going to happen. Then the storyline actually changed in the novels to yeah. the original clones for like Geonosis were well trained. They were they became attached to the Jedi, but as they died out, they were replaced by new clones that had different training and were more in line with the Republic and not the Jedi. And they mm-hmm. were used to exterminate. And so there were some clones that chose not to because they've been around through the whole war, but they were vastly outnumbered by these new clones that had no affiliation to the Jedi. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. And, you know, it makes me wonder. I'm just so eager to see this next episode to find out whether or not his chip really is removed. Because I'm sure that, you know, tech has that little scanner thing that can detect it now. So yeah. it really won't take them too long to figure it out. But they kind of cut us off at the point where we don't know if he's lying. <laughs> so well, they also know. have to escape Camino first. They do. Right. Yeah, they do. Uh, speaking of escaping Camino, they entered Camino and I assume they'll exit Camino through this underwater tube system. Yeah. Which is a new part of Camino that we'd never seen before. And uh, it had me wonder. I was like, man, this thing connects to a secret platform that goes directly to a secret private research lab. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Does this not scream Palpatine or what? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Obviously, you can see why uh, they got along with Palp so well, right? Yeah, it's like, I mean, I've always wondered how he paid his visits, and now I kind of know, right? Like, it's like, oh, they've got a whole secret underwater elevator system going on, like, that nobody no, true. saw or knew about. Even in the Clone Wars, when, when Topoka City was attacked, I don't, I don't believe we ever saw any underwater tubes when Kenobi was down there fighting off droids and everything. Like it was, That's actually a good point. You're surprised, I'm surprised then that the... Separatists didn't come across them and take advantage of them. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't even it wasn't in the plans. And and tech actually says that it wasn't it's not in the plans to the city that this is a thing. Right. So, um, you know, we're not intended to know about any of this until now. And, and it just makes me wonder, like, dude, what the, what was this for? Like, I mean, like now that Camino is kind of gone, it's like we're are we even going to find out? Like, <laughs> I hope so, because like it's kind of sweet that this private research lab has a private elevator to a, a private landing pad. I mean, I think that's kind of kind of cool, right? Um, 
it, it just kind of yeah. it's a bit sinister. It is. It makes yeah. it so that they can do a lot of stuff off the books, off record. I wonder yeah. if that has to do with the fact that because I don't know if this is a canon anymore. But at one point, it was canon that there were laws around cloning. So you couldn't just mass produce an army. And they lifted those laws only for the Kaminoans for the Republic because they needed them. But right. other than that, there was like a ban on cloning except for under certain circumstances. Like uh, the the race would die out, right? Yeah. So that all the stuff being hidden could give them the ability to do it off the books and do lots of experiments and all sorts of things that wouldn't uh, be under the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that, that makes sense. Um, to me, I think I don't, I like to even speculate that this platform was developed for, um, uh, well, we know that Nala say how was breeding clone first 99 and omega in that private laboratory because omega says that that's where they were born speaking of um, which she was born before them yeah yeah pretty crazy right yeah to think about it and not only was she born before them but she was born and cognizant enough of an age to remember it yeah she was yeah she remembers when clone first 99 was was created right so it's um it's kind of nuts to think that that and we and we've already had this discussion about Omega and her age when certain events had happened in the past and this and that in earlier episodes of the show. But um, but yeah, it, to go back to this place again and just to see her reminisce about these events when she was younger, uh, which you know is about three years prior kind of thing, uh, because the Clone Wars is about that long and um, uh, she's. I don't know. She's what, like 12 or yeah. So I guess like she, so, she would have been like eight or nine or something. Yeah. Then. Something like that. Yeah. So she does remember because uh, it was only well, three years, three years prior. Well, um, the clones, their growth acceleration is only times two. Uh, yeah. It's only times two. Uh, but of course, like, I don't know how long they spend in that tank. Uh, and then uh, and then, of course, they they grow up very quickly afterwards so it, it kind of makes me wonder though it's a bit curious that they don't remember omega when they were young because yeah. you would think that they would have all been kept together but i guess not. i think they were in the tanks yeah while she saw them and then when they were old enough to go out of the tank they sent them off yeah 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 I don't, yeah it's it's, a, it's really curious and and i don't know if maybe maybe the original plan never called for a, a mute a, a, like a mutant batch of of clones like it, maybe it was something that was a bit off the books in a way but um, i like to think that this private platform and underwater tunnel system because she actually did omega said that there's others that run through camino yeah and uh, and i like to think that this underwater system was definitely something that was used for dooku and palps and and possibly even Sifo-Dyas. It makes uh, sense yeah. when they first ordered the clone army. Like, you know, maybe they were told like, hey, we got a, a setup for you in the, you know, in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Down below. Yeah. Platform uh, on platform minus zero or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Which is still zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Water level. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this this training arena keeps showing up. I know it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's like every few episodes it comes back. Every yeah, every few seasons since uh, since season three, it just keeps on showing up again. But I, think, I, I like seeing it. It's pretty. I cool. think that scene now has the record for the fastest amount of time from them telling Omega to stay back in case they need help, and then being captured and needing help. Yeah, <laughs> it's a new record. Yeah, yeah, and it's then like, and then her doing something to like screw everything up. Of yeah, course. which is funny that one thing I noticed is because like she sends up the droids to help them. Yeah, and they've already because Crosshair like killed all of his men in one shot. The like reflection shot there. Yeah, and he planned that too. He yeah, put he those did. little reflector things down and and totally planned that shot. So it, it's. I think he could tell they didn't trust him. And yeah, so, because you notice totally that yeah. they were already skeptical of him and he gave them an order that he knew they wouldn't obey. Yeah. He and wanted they, a reason to kill them all. Exactly. So he could earn 
the others trust again, right? And yeah. try and bring them over to the Empire. Exactly. But what I was getting at is with the droids, it ended up being a bit of a Mr. Bean moment because they sent up the droids to save uh, the Bad Batch, but they were already saved. And that caused problems for all of them. And they got up to like Omega and AZ got to the upper floor. And they, they thought that their droids were successful, even though they didn't do anything except shoot their own guys. But then the other trooper came in and assumed the droids killed them anyway. So it actually worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is I actually really liked seeing uh, after after all those other I don't even know what to call them. The 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 uh, human elite clone, the elites, <laughs> uh, the the green visor. Yeah, they people. have a, like Kashyyyk armor for some reason. Yeah, they've got yeah uh, yeah. I don't even know what to call that group, but um, crosshairs people. Uh, <laughs> when <laughs> when they all went down and the droids came out, I I, th- I thought it was really cool seeing them kind of unify again to fight against the common enemy, which yeah. was which was droids, like. You know, and a year before the events of this episode, they were all fighting together against the droids in the first That's place. That's true. Right? Yeah, good point. So I didn't think this, about the droids. This was quite a unifying moment for them, and they they kind of very they very quickly went back into their roots of fighting as a proper squad again, and they had a few shots to kind of display that. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Like, yeah, I mean, it makes that. sense because they did that for three years. They're just gonna fall into the same rhythms. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and they and they kill all those droids like like so swiftly. Yeah, and it's almost it makes you wonder if they would have been more competent in other episodes if they had their full crew because that means they are yeah. so used to being having that one extra person mm-hmm. that they probably got into trouble because that extra person would be covering their backs in certain moments. Yeah, yeah, Crosshair added a lot, right? Like he's you know their their scout sniper guy, like he. Uh, he was a heavy hitter. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that covers a lot of the general stuff. Um, uh, there's a few more things I actually wanted to bring up. Uh, the big one being Topoka city bombarded. Um, what did, what did you think of this? Um, I, first of all was gobsmacked that you called it like throughout the entire last episode. <laughs> and once i got past that i was actually a little bit sad because yeah uh, we've come camino's like a home to a lot of these like these clones on these characters that we really like and it's we assumed that something had to happen because it it doesn't exist or we Mm -hmm. never even hear about it during like the empire era but even that being the case it was still it was sad to watch it all, you know, go into the ocean. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, this is a city and a location that we've we've seen a numerous amount of times, and very very uh, nostalgic for for us as viewers of uh, who who do love Attack of the Clones and and uh, those episodes of the Clone Wars. Kevin Kiner did an amazing job on the music ending off to Polka City when uh, the whole thing went and got blown up basically. And uh, I'd love to play it a little piece of that just right now. You see all the shots of the mess hall where they're created, the bedrooms. Sir, yeah. you're in position. Open fire. cinematic yeah and they brought in uh tarkin's line you may fire when ready yeah right so good but uh yeah it's just uh, it's such a great little 
like i don't know a little uh a sad just a sad moment it's very sorrowful it is um, yeah it, there's it's a lot emotional. of there's a yeah. lot of emotion in it and if i didn't know better i could consider that john williams music like yeah there's, there's enough passion in it it was I, so full yeah yeah, it, yeah absolutely it was so full and yeah it just filled uh, the my my the note that i wrote down was it's emotional sorrowful as their only home that they ever knew is blown to hell yeah <laughs> like that's that's true. what i wrote down and it's it's so uh it, it brings me back to that clone wars arc when when rex um when rex uh, and the the well pretty much all the clones are, are going home to camino the only home that they've ever known and uh, they're defending it against the droid armies that are invading to get the clone DNA, right? And uh, and I think there was a line that was thrown around uh, by I think it was Fives or somebody. I think it was either it was either Fives or Echo, and it was something along the lines of like that. This is our home, and like my our blood my blood is boiling for a fight, you know. And and they were just so like passionate and angry that these droids would step foot on their planet and like take their city and their home and you know and it's like man like to like then now see it just be blown to pieces after being decommissioned and clones being you know tossed into retirement and out of production and being replaced and everything like geez like this is this is really sad like and and only a couple months or a year after they had their only choice uh, taken away from them. So they had to kill their own friends they'd been serving under for, you know, three years. Like uh, they, they just can't catch a break. <laughs> it's true. Could you imagine if like the rest of the clones are in the right man, right mind when all this was going down, like they would be absolutely furious. Yeah. And to no, think I- that it was clones aboard those Republic cruisers that hit the guns. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 too for sure. Uh, I'm I'm sure there was uh, clones oh, we, above there. We saw them. The guy he was talking to was a clone. That's that's nuts. Yeah, like I mean, and and here's the thing. Like, did because I didn't actually pay attention to that clone's face. Like, did he look like he had any kind of doubt in his mind, or was he still on autopilot? No. Yeah, he just looked like this is my job. This is what I do, and no emotional attachment. Yeah. Yeah. See, like that's, and I'm pretty sure that that's the chip that's kind of going in his brain that's just totally keeping him that way right it would have to be or i could also see that so much bad has already happened that the a lot of clones have just become emotionless yeah like they don't yeah, have that, to believe it too. anymore right and and you know we and this this also brings kind of hauser's decision into the question of like how did he get his men to turn against the empire when the inhibitor chip is supposed to keep them loyal right um and kind of on autopilot and emotionalist and this and that so i don't know there's a lot of questions there with how effective are these things and uh do they last and uh you know are some of the clones really at this point making their own decisions and following orders because they want to because like crosshair believes the empire gives them purpose um or uh you know, are they or are some of them or are some of them cluing into the fact that the Empire is just evil? They don't really care to fight for them anymore and they're just kind of done. Right. So well, it might, I feel like it might be similar to like Nazi Germany. It's like a lot of the soldiers that originally signed up, they didn't know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And they just like they just after they're exposed to evil after evil after evil, they just kind of shut off their own personal beliefs or thoughts they just followed orders right right yeah but at first they were all kind of they were all brainwashed right at first, yeah that's like, exactly it so it's it's a very similar situation and you know we know that star wars has always had this tradition of basing itself in reality in 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 a way and and that's that's kind of what makes any of this fictional story uh somewhat believable in an in-universe sort of standpoint because including the ships the, the the design of a lot of the ships has come inspired from real world military technology and and uh, a lot of the guns and everything like that it just goes in fashion with the way that these movies were made true and, and based on ever since 1977 and 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 even the events of the story have always been at least according to george like in relation to real world wars that have happened 
Yeah, and, and George Lucas himself was a farm boy in the middle of nowhere and rose up yeah. to be his death star of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So, um, and, and, you know, and the empire is very, very closely associated with, with Nazi Germany. So it's not too far-fetched to think that the transition of these clones and their, their the journey that they're currently going through uh, is supposed to be reminiscent of perhaps that event, right? Yeah, I, I think... That's most likely what Dave is going for through all this, yeah. Because, yeah, he, he he knew what George had set up, right? Right. So he's, he's playing into that. Right. Exactly. Um, I got yeah. a question for you. Yes. So at the beginning of the episode, when they're flying into Topoka City or flying uh, into Camino because they're still in orbit. I think it's Wrecker. He points out, oh, there's only three Republic cruisers. I wonder where the rest are. Mm -hmm. I feel like they said that, meaning that the other ones are up to something, probably going to be revealed next episode. What do you you think they're doing? No, totally, 100%. I think think there's something up with that. Uh, It's possible that maybe all the Star Destroyers are in, in a, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to find out. That's for sure. <laughs> we're going to find out. Um, I wonder if they're all blowing up different facilities. Oh, yeah, maybe. Different. Well, at least as far as we know, the only cloning facility that's still in commission is on Camino because we did come across uh, an out of commission facility on another planet, but clearly yeah. wasn't breeding clones because it was it was breeding something, some other species I, in there. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like cloners. They could be blowing up other groups that worked with the Republic during the war and might pose a threat to the Empire. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Blowing up some of the ally planets that the the Empire doesn't care for anymore or, you know, just planets that were leeches and, you know, they're like, yeah, screw them. Like, forget it. Um, Who knows, right? Like they're, they're just going through this massive transition period and you know, this is this this series is supposed to bring us from the Clone Wars that we know. This is a very important moment in time because, um, like Rebels aside, when we start with with the events of Rogue One and A New Hope, we see this very kind of battle scarred planet and or planets and and you know of times long past, right? And and uh, this era now is referred to as the Dark Times by Obi Wan Kenobi and. You know, there's a reason for that, right? Uh, and uh, this this kind of is that transition of this great war, the biggest war that the galaxy had ever seen, um, into this very depressing, dark age of of misery that everyone in the galaxy was going through. And you know, there's events that obviously transpired that will will present itself as a plot in this show. Um, and uh, again, Kevin Kiner brilliant guy uh take a listen to this little clip here uh this is how he ends off the episode after after camino is like blown up and everything like that isn't that depressing it's very depressing It's kind of eerie as well. You keep saying exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> like I I could see this music also being really fitting to the scene where Darth Vader discovers the the dead 501st troopers and finds Ahsoka's lightsabers in the snow. Yeah, it has that vibe to it for sure. Um, it really reminds me of uh, of the the battle on Mandalore and the the music that um, Bryce actually referred to as uh, uh, very Blade Runner style. Okay. Or a kind of yeah, kind of very not sci-fi but very. Uh, very like i don't know a dark space fantasy or something like it just a really really edgy vibe to it yeah i see what you're saying yeah because yeah. blade runner does is a very the original film was a very it was an eerie dark detective movie right so yeah yeah like it feels kind of kind of edgy yeah 
So almost like something really terrible is going to happen. Not that like and something already terrible has happened, but <laughs> like it feels like the next episode isn't going to leave us off on a overly great note. Uh, that, right. I wonder if maybe they did reference it because Blade, the Blade Runner movie, the first one was about like clones and like genetically created humans. And if they uh, right. are real people or not. Yeah, no, that's a great. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Um yeah, <laughs> uh, the music is is just so reminiscent of that movie, and uh, or just that style of storytelling in in a space story. But um, yeah, it, it was just a really good way to end off the end credits. It was I expected something like that rather than the you know. Could you imagine just cast us like real cheery? Yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, everyone just dies. Everything's exploding. Right, right. They seem to. Oh wait, wrong franchise. <laughs> they seem. No, they seem to have a good hold on how to edit these things because you know when Ahsoka left the Jedi Order, they played a very sorrowful, sad tune. Uh, they did the same for the end of Clone Wars season seven. Uh, they did something very similar for, um, I believe it was at season six at some point. I think it was in the Yoda series, the Yoda arc, uh, or maybe it was one of the other ones. But they they did a really good job in some of the episodes where it doesn't end on on that like you know classic Clone Wars <laughs> tune, and um, that's something that I, I I vaguely remember Rebels ever doing that. No, Rebels I, I, was very upbeat. It's funny that you bring yeah. it up because I was just picturing in my head like sad destruction. Everything's all like really disheartening. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, every time, man, every time. It was for a younger audience, so maybe they just didn't want to make it as depressing. Could be. But who knows? <laughs> I'm looking at a recording here. We timed that pretty good. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you it's completely inaudible. Oh, man. It's like straight out of the show. <laughs> I think <laughs> no one's going to yeah, tell. Skywalker Sound's probably going to hire us. Save oh. them a lot of effort. And you hear that, Matthew composing. Wood? You hear that, Matthew Wood? We can, we can yeah, we'll fill in. We'll, we're available. We'll be, like, we'll be like their temp music people. It'll be so good. They don't need to hire Kevin Kiner anymore. No, we'll just do it all ourselves. Guy, we're going to take, take his job now. Pew, 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 pew. See? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Expect a call. That's what I'm saying. Actually, one thing I found really disappointing was that the title kind of gave away a bit what return, was return to Camino. I know. And then it's funny because like the first yeah. like cliffhanger uh is wait, they're not on Rax's Prime. And then Omega's like, where are they? And then like cuts I'm like, well obviously it's Camino. And then it was Camino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they kind of gave it away in the title, but I don't know. I I I, I kind of I, I uh sort of expected we'd be going back to Camino, but at the same time, it's True. like, at least it's not a death of Qui-Gon thing. <laughs> okay. I know we, we tell the story a lot, but let's just do it again just so that people know. So like when the, when the Phantom Menace came out, uh, the, the soundtrack dropped about a week or two early before the movie. And one of the tracks on the soundtrack is naturally called The Death of Qui-Gon and Funeral or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Funeral scene. And <laughs> it's just like the most obvious spoiler ever. So anyone yeah. who lined up at HMV or wherever to pick up their uh, their CD. Which came their, out before the theatrical their, release. Yeah, yeah. Or their, or their cassette tapes or whatever. It, you know, it, it, they would just right away, they would know like, oh, no oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just come into the movie right. with a super intense fight scene. Still one of the best that Star Wars movies have ever given. And they know what's going to happen. It's true. It's like, that would suck, man. Like, I, I don't know. Disappointing. That, that would be the worst. But, yeah. Well, at the same time, I guess you want to see what, like, how it happens. But, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. And yeah. the fight's always good. I mean, I've seen that fight probably a hundred times and I still like watching it. <laughs> That's true, actually. The set's amazing. I love oh, what they did so there. Good. It's so good. That room's not yeah. practical in any way whatsoever, but it makes for a cool Jedi fight area. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It really does. <laughs> it's like the ultimate 
like no guardrails room. Right. It's just like drawbridges in every direction with no guardrails. <laughs> <laughs> um are we uh if we're wrapped up on on bad batch i wouldn't mind uh transitioning us onto one more subject for today well i wouldn't mind if we speculated any speculated notes, a yeah. bit about what's happening in the next episode like how do you think this is gonna end there's only one episode right. left that's a good point actually yeah let's uh let's call some shots <laughs> um let's start with you what, what like what, what do you think is gonna happen in the next episode <sighs> Well, my first question is, was Crosshair lying or not? Because it could be that someone told him it was removed and it wasn't. But I think they're going to find out that it was removed. But the Empire thinks he's dead and they're not going to take it back. So he's going to be forced to be on the run with the rest of them. And then by the end, he's going to like work out. Something's going to happen that's going to make him realize the truth. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I see where you're going with that. I could buy that. Um, but I, AZ, AZ is there, so AZ is going to have to do something. I'm sure of it. Yeah, and here's here's the other thing. I don't know. Maybe AZ will just become part of their crew and replace Echo <laughs> as their droid. <laughs> or just replace Gonk. Replace, replace Gonky. <laughs> you, can, you cannot replace Gonky. <laughs> He's an essential member of the team. Gonk. Gonk. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, I would not be surprised if they, uh, if we saw Rex again. Uh, yeah. And Gregor, you know. Uh, Speaking of that. which, where did he go? <laughs> He's uh, he's off world. That's all we know. And uh, we don't know where we don't know what he's doing. But uh, yeah. we know that Gregor needed some some rescuing from uh, where he was and, and kind of, was still in touch with Rex. Somehow. Kind of a dick move, though. Where it's like they Bad Batch shows up to rescue him and then they lose a guy and he's like, well, see you. Thanks. Yeah. And leave, leave them to figure it out. It's true. Yeah. There, there like, was a. Yeah, there was how a cool, bit of a... How cool would it have been if they kept Gregor and he, like, found the rest of his kit and was in the full, like, commando gear there with them? <laughs> that'd be pretty... That'd be pretty awesome. Right? <laughs> <sighs> this is the wasted opportunity with commandos left, right, and center. It really is. Um, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we had maybe some crazy cameo from a character that hasn't shown up yet i mean i know we speculated on the whole cad bane boba thing showing up but um, you know maybe yeah maybe something like that or or uh you know it's possible uh, that it's possible i don't know let's just throw i'm throwing a bone out there but maybe uh, maybe we'll get obi-wan in the showing up in the series like who knows Din Djarin. Right? <laughs> Din Djarin, sure, yeah, young kid, Din Djarin, maybe someone from from Mandalore, yeah, uh, Bo-Katan, um, Bo-Katan's a likely candidate. True, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, technically, I actually I wouldn't be surprised if the event that is talked about by Moff Gideon of the purge or whatever that happened on Mandalore, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe got that in this show. Do you think it's that event? early after Order sixty six? I think it's a very, it's a very, yeah, it's a very possible outcome. Maybe, maybe for a later season, like next season. Not, not, not crammed in this last episode, but I'm just kind of thinking of like what no. they could do in this next one to set up the next season. I feel like it's more likely to happen in the Obi Wan Kenobi live action because he's got ties directly to Mandalore. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I, I, as well. with that being such a cool event, I think they would save that for live action. Right. Uh, what are the chances that maybe we'll get uh, a Jedi who's still alive, like from the Order 66 showing up as well? Jedi Luke when he's like two. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi, Even though I think he's like six months at this point. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know the full list of the surviving Jedi, but you know, he, um, uh, I, there are, there is a, a small list of them. And I know that one of them 
has more recently shown up in one of the the latest Darth Vader comic books, I believe. Uh, okay. So they're still running around out there, There's and um, yeah. you know, and of course now at this point we probably have the Inquisitors as a thing. That's, so, yeah, I guess some transition, so they don't have to train them. Yeah, the word Jedi. Like at some point, we're gonna probably have Inquisitors showing up. I would not be surprised, even if it's just like a cameo. I think that's like, season two thing. But then again, it could be like this episode, which is at the end of the season. There's that's like what I'm twist. saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we, like what kind of cameo are we gonna get for the next season? That's gonna like hook us into season two because oh, shit. Uh, Darth Vader. Were, Darth Vader. Oh yeah, maybe Darth Vader. Yeah, it could like, be Darth Vader. Darth Vader or Palpatine. I know. I know. On the poster, uh, Palpatine's hologram was very kind of prominently in the background. Like. Unless that was just for the pilot, um, you know, it's possible that we'll get we'll get him in there. Man, somehow. how cool would it be if Darth Vader showed up though? That would be really awesome. Yeah, he just be, showed up, just really like cool. brought some fear and kick kick an ass. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my speculation on the next one. I honestly have no idea from here where it's gonna go. I think you're right about the ships. We're gonna get something in regards to that. I bet uh, you it'll be Ryloth that gets blown up. Ryloth. Oh, uh, yeah, but Ryloth is still around by the time of, of, you know, the following, following yeah, stories. Yeah, we'll, they'll blow up the whole planet. They could destroy a city. Right, yeah, they could destroy a city. Yeah, they could destroy the capital, maybe, of Lesu. Um Actually, I don't know. I, I vaguely remember Lesu being in, uh, I think it's called Lesu. Rebels, I think. I, I, I vaguely remember Lesu being in... Um, in uh, the the Lords of the Sith book, which took place on Ryloth with Vader oh, and yeah. Palpatine, yeah, um, we've, we've talked about that. When yeah. Darth Vader's fixing children's toys and Palpatine's yeah. like singing music with kids or something, yeah, around a fire pit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that book? I I uh, I think it was it was Paul, uh, it was Paul something or another. I'm pretty sure. But, I'm impressed, but you know that. Lords of the Sith. Um, let's let's look this up. Paul S. Kemp. Paul S. Kemp. Um, Paul S. Kemp has also written. He's oh, he's written a couple books actually. Uh, he wrote. Uh, well, he did write a short story called Sparks in the Certain Point of View book, and he had a canceled novel which I have no idea what that is. Prior to the canon stuff, he wrote Riptide, A Fair Trade, The Old Republic Deceived, The Old Republic, The Third Lesson, and Cross Current. So he wrote all those things, two of which are short stories. So he's done a few Star Wars books, like three yeah. before, before Lords of the Sith. Yeah. Still, I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about that scene. <laughs> yeah, it, like- it almost feels like it was written by someone who... Like maybe f- do- maybe doesn't fully know the characters. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it was funny because it was a little bit, it was out of place, but in kind of a kooky way. I think the weirdness of the entire novel is seeing Palpatine just on a mission by like himself, right? True. Like on a, on on any doing anything himself um, is always a little like, oh wow. But I didn't feel that way when he showed up on Mandalore to. Uh, you know, kill Savage Press and Maul, right? Like, no, uh, I thought that was very much in character to kind of like, okay, the only person that can fix this problem is me. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to just go and do it. Right. And he does it. And so like, I, I can buy that. But um, the events of that, that novel for me were just like, it was had something a, to do with training Darth Vader, didn't it? They, it was a crash. They crash landed on Ryloth and it had something to do with, with Champs and Dula. That's that's what I remember. Oh, anything to do that planet automatically has to do with Cindulas. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The only ones that matter. <laughs> um, we should uh, very, very briefly uh, bring up um, the recent passing of J.W. Rinsler. Did you uh, did you read about this? No, it's the first I've heard of it. So uh, the Lucasfilm family is heartbroken at the news of Jonathan Rinsler's recent passing during his long tenure with the company jonathan served as an executive editor with lucasfilm publishing 
telling our story in more than a dozen books of scholarship, clarity, and passion. His making of Star Wars and Indiana Jones books are beloved resources that both we and fans have continuously turned to for mi- for information and inspiration. He will be missed. Um, he died uh, at the age of, uh, I believe it was 58, uh, two wow. days ago. Wow, he's actually pretty young. Uh, yeah, he was uh, suffering uh, an 11-month battle with pancreatic cancer. And uh, he leaves behind a wife and uh, a few kids. So he will be missed. And uh, he was uh, friends with, with um, I believe, was with George and, and um, had worked on a, a number of Star Wars books, like a number of them. You know, we're yeah. talking about everything from reference books from... Uh, I believe his first one was Attack of the Clones, the visual dictionary, um, all the way through till uh, the canceled making of the Force Awakens reference book. Oh, wow. And everything in between. The storyboard books, the blueprints, that big, thick book with all yeah, the Yeah, I was just going to ask. Uh, yeah, was the, he involved in the one that you got, the super thick one? The uh, No, he wasn't involved with that one, but some of the information that was obviously referenced by uh, by the author of those books were likely... Um, yeah i mean jw rinsler wrote he didn't write just regular star wars books he wrote um everything that had to do with real world reference books reference books for the in-universe uh, as well as um art books so um, anything star wars titled behind the scenes prior and around uh 2014 all the way back to 2002 uh, he uh, he wrote uh, or was an editor of some kind on those things. And he also even wrote two Clone Wars episodes. He was the writer of uh, The Disappeared Part 1 and 2, which is the ones with Jar Jar and Mace Windu. When oh, they're yeah. Helping yeah out. They're talking about, yeah, yeah, he wrote the scripts for those. Uh, and I, I forget the story behind it, but I believe it was... Uh, uh, what, he was... That was uh, one of the better Jar Jar episodes. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it, it really was. And and uh, um, I, I forget the story exactly, but I'm pretty sure that um, he was, uh, he was just chatting with either Dave or George or someone and, and uh, they just were like, hey, you should write some episodes and they just That's pretty cool. Brought I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad they did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I got a, uh, I got a quote from Dave Filoni here. He said, uh, it says his writing credits include penning the two part arc that disappeared for season six of Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, and Dave says, I knew Jonathan as a writer and was fortunate to work with him on two episodes of the Clone Wars. Uh, his making of Star Wars books are the most in-depth accounting of all of the films I've ever seen. And I'm sure his work will be to the benefit of generations of filmmakers to come. And in that he has fulfilled one of the greatest tenets of the of the Jedi to pass on what you've learned something jonathan did brilliantly Hmm. so well said yeah and very true because those films are just getting farther and farther away so we really rely on the people who did that the first initial books talking about everything to keep that information alive yeah yeah for sure um his twitter account still active uh i believe uh his uh his daughter his daughter's Judith and Sarah, and he's got a wife, Genevieve, but his daughter, Sarah, took her father's Twitter uh, into her own hands and, and is, was sending his followers updates in his final days. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in just 48 hours, a GoFundMe page was created to help with medical expenses, which I'm pretty sure they're probably still in need of paying those off. So if anyone wants to look that up and toss them some coin, I'm sure the family would be much appreciated. Um, yeah, he was a legend and in, in, uh, the author of over 20 Star Wars books and and uh, and a legend within Lucasfilm. So uh, he will be missed. It's a very sad loss. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember I remember seeing so many Star Wars books on the shelf with his uh, his writer's credit on the on the cover. So. Um, yeah, pretty pretty shocking, to say the least. Um, other than other than that, uh, I don't really know what else to to bring up. I mean, we've got uh, the Bad Batch chat next week, um, and uh, once that season's once the season's over, mm-hmm. uh, there's a bit of a rough plan to chat with a few others about uh, about 
this season in retrospect and uh, kind of do a full uh, speculation on what's to come. So we can look forward to that as well as a lot more what happened episodes, which we'll kind of get back to to fill some of the time as, as we've got no more bad batch pass next Friday. So <laughs> to go back to reading the novels. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get around to that higher public stuff uh, very soon. So. And I'm sure people are very excited for our uh, 2002 Star Wars Bounty Hunter review for PlayStation. <laughs> Yeah, the trick is to get our hands on a copy <laughs> <laughs> and a PlayStation 2. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning into the show. And uh, like Blake was saying before, we got lots of content coming your way on the podcast, including reviews for the new High Republic books, as well as old vintage video games and so much more. We got a lot of What Happened episodes. We got episodes about the Force, Force Powers. Lots of stuff coming your way now that Bad Batch is coming to a close. And of course, beyond Bad Batch, we've got the Book of Boba Fett coming out later this year. So many things to follow in the Star Wars story. And uh, of course, for your regular updates, you can always follow our Twitter feed at SW Skate Podcast. And uh, of course, the Star Wars Twitter feed. Twitter's just great. Twitter's great. You get, you get updates every day. It's unlike anything else. It's awesome. We also got an Instagram page now as well. We're still trying to figure that out. And uh, at website, email at swskpodcast at gmail.com. It's all in the description below, including a link to our voicemail address. Feel free to just drop a voicemail. It, it, it's easy as clicking a record button, sending in your voice memo. You can even send us it by email. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Bad Batch finale. We're going to be doing a big group um, chat retrospective speculation on season two we'd love to know what you guys think of this past season as well as what your thoughts are for the next season so feel free to send in any kind of recording and we'd uh, we'd love to play it on the show as well along uh, with our own speculation and uh, you're very welcome to do that so thanks again for tuning in guys lots more coming your way look for more light speeds in the future for star wars news and may the force be with you